The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge your glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Sifting through the wreckage of Gary Gate, as we're not calling it, the one tiny thing that did survive the great match of the day wipeout, an answer finally to the question of which British manager's name did you least expect to be chanted by thousands of delirious fans this weekend, Premier League referees texting into music radio like normal people do, can you snatch a header, an uncertain future for the vaguely defined but prestigious title of the voice of football, brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 240 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel today is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well. How are you, Adam? I'm not too bad, thanks. Alongside you once again, David Walker. How are you? Um, Enjoyable afternoon at Loftus Road for QPR Watford, I understand. Complete shambles. But Loftus Road, my favourite away ground, I think, of all. Really enjoyable. So, yeah, all good. An earnest tweet, even from you, Dave. Got a bit. Of, I got a couple of QPR fans having a little little pop at me actually afterwards, which I wasn't expecting. But I think it's t- totally fair in all different guises. Yeah. yeah, it yeah, did I... make me think that this morning on uh, the Today program. The thought of the day was from David Walker, and I thought, wow, Dave's really gone from earnest tweet to thought of the day on uh, <laughs> on the Today program. But... On the back of this pop belt, I see. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. um... Turns out it was the Bishop of Manchester. Yeah, but I mean, no, Dave, you you have you've nailed the sort of mid-range art form of sincere post-defeat tweeting. It's yeah. really it's just enough emotional investment, but also a touch of football insight in there as well. It's good. It's good. It's not all about wry looks. It's about something. Sometimes you really do care about stuff, and that's quite right too. Well, I mean, let's begin the adjudication panel with the most burning issue of all. Um, I don't know what to call it though, Charlie. I've put it on the document as the match of the day situation, which actually, I don't know, sounds like more of a kind of a nuclear crisis. But I'll tell you what I'm not having. I'm not having Gary Gate. Yeah, I saw your tweet about that. Ha- has that been a thing? Have people been pushing that? Only only from the Henry Winters of this world. Okay. Uh, by which I mean Henry Winter. Uh, I, I'll tell you why, on a technical level, I disagree with Gary Gate more than any, any other particular reason, is that um, he himself, I don't think, was the, the core part of the scandal it's something he did and therefore the thing that he did should be the should be the element of the gate if you see what i mean so mm. if anything i mean tweet gate would have been too vague wouldn't it and there must have been loads of tweet gates already mm. boat tweet gate oh i mean at its core it's the location isn't it if we're going back all the way to watergate so where did then it could do probably just at its house i suppose which, which again is very deceive. You know, that's quite misleading. Lineker's house gate, Media City Gate. Mm. Ooh, that's where, they, that's yeah. where they film Match of the Day. Match of the Day Gate. Could Match of the Day Gate. BBC Gate. Yeah. Well, I mean, even Lineker Gate would be better than Gary Gate. Lineker Gate. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the secondary objection. Dave is making it more kind of chatty. I don't like it. Gary Gate. Makes this it kind of fun. this kind of has elevated him now, though. To like G- Gary, he is Gary now, isn't he? Right. Like you know, in like Boris is Boris. I don't think mm. you, you almost I saw like uh, self-esteem was on stage at the weekend wearing a uh, 
free Gary t-shirt. And everyone knows who the, you know, Gary. Everyone knows who Gary is. Well, actually, surprising that you mentioned the kind of cultural reach of this of this row, um, Dave. Uh, Fat Boy Slim just put up a picture of Gary Lineker behind him during one of his sets with with no <laughs> with, with sort of no other reference. He just pointed at him, and everyone just started immediately clapping. What, like a thumb, like yeah. like it was Keys and Gray pointing <laughs> yeah, at the yeah, Goodison like Park on the big screen. screen. <laughs> yeah, it was Lineker. Then it was Greta Thunberg. Okay, well, there you go. No, I'm not sure what to call it yet, but we'll call it uh, the match of the day. We'll call it the match of the day row and see if anyone's got any advance on that. Crucial juncture of the story, Charlie, was when I finally, sometime on Saturday, saw a cracked match of the day badge Yeah. on a national newspaper's website. That, that, that's a great threshold to reach for any kind of unfolding row, I think. I did think, yeah, I thought there would be even, my, well, my first thought shows how much of this podcast and sort of seeped into my mind was less that it would happen, more just that other people would say it was about to happen. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it, it was sort of... It was in the offing, wasn't it? Who was, I'm trying to think who the, the most tenuous comedy suggestion for someone to step into Lineker's shoes on Match of the Day, Dave. And there was there was very little chat of seeing anything like Allardyce. Um, yeah. TV Allardyce until the end of the Kirbishly season. Kirbishly suggesting that. he should do it. Yeah. Is that Twitter account still going? The Allens available? I, th- mm, I don't think so. Let's have a look. I think, I think it's been dormant for a while, but... As I look, I want you to guess when you think the last tweet from that account was sent. <sighs> I won't and what accept it was. any retweets of betting um, sort of uh, <laughs> accumulators or anything. I, I'm going to guess when Allardyce lost the England job. So 2016 was when it was last used. I think it's been dormant for a while. Hmm, do we go before that or more recent? Uh, I'm going to say 2018. It all appears to be quite moot because uh, the Twitter account appears to be completely dormant. No picture. No tweets, no followers. What on earth has happened? Perhaps Alan's uh, lawyers have been in touch. (laughs) (laughs) How that happens. Famously litigious. Must have got banned, right? It must have got banned for something. And then that's the only way you can shed that many followers in one go. Who knows? All idiots anyway, so it doesn't matter. Fine. Now, um, another slightly tedious running theme of the weekend, Charlie, was... um, people trying to summarise the row in football terms. And the most popular way of doing it was to do some sort of score update. This was my favourite. This was from the Cave Solacol on Sky Sports News. (laughs) As far as I can see at the moment, the score is Gary Lineker 3, BBC 0. Goal scored by Wright, Shearer and Scott. (laughs) Hang on. Lineker has to be on the score sheet, surely. (laughs) the team, apparently. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because could you take it as one all otherwise because Lineker would have scored for Lineker and presumably BBC would have scored for the BBC although maybe not in this uh, yeah. ongoing dispute I have the BBC maybe an own score, goal have an own yeah. goal yeah, yeah. yeah there we go. lots of own goals uh, absolutely so that's 4-0 it, at least but I'm, I'm alright Dave with Lineker being elevated to the team in this analogy because essentially those the pundits were, were going to bat for him to borrow a phrase from a different sport um, so they were kind of scoring the goals on his behalf so I, I think that's okay um, but there was never any any chance of it being pulled back after that because no one was scoring the goals for the other team. Mm. No, I do think I think you have to credit Lineker with the first goal. As okay. soon as he as soon as he let it be known that it wasn't a mutual decision, that's he has he's stuck oh, on in early there. Yeah. Player manager. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you. It did again. I know it shouldn't, but there was a point at which it just started to really annoy me because it was just like like we talk about so many times. I just couldn't understand why they weren't 
some of these people who were coming out with this crap weren't check just check it just to just ask someone with a vague sense like does this sound does this make sense like is this feasible is this something someone would say and they could have instantly just tweaked it a little bit yeah I mean that's a that's a logical concern and arguably a primary concern the secondary concern is it's like how how is that satisfying to do it like, mm. is, is it really that satisfying to crowbar in something an analogy from something you don't know about to make yourself look clever it's gonna have the opposite effect but I think that's the thing isn't it I mean and, and the example there is a slight anomaly because that's a football person doing it but I think often it's by people who don't really understand it but think oh that's very clever yeah, yeah. the only yeah. people who'd be impressed would be people with a similar knowledge of football like oh that, that's awfully smart what they've done there <laughs> yes it was a bit of an own goal oh it? it's just awful isn't it yeah it's awful. And I, I don't think Carve's even close to being the worst offender there that's no, quite, no. kind no, of I just said it was my favorite one yeah I, in, I context, that in a very open-ended way absolutely that's sort of fine have a bit of mm. have a bit of fun with it if you if you must but like yeah it's when you get all the MPs weighing in and like just uh, Penny Morden talking about left wing strikers and yeah. goal yeah, hanging was, and rubbish like that there was reassuringly little chat Charlie about how much of an institution match of the day was because that always gets raised mm. in moments like this and how we should protect it and all that sort of stuff I don't, I don't I don't care about that as much but um yeah that's true actually yeah the sanctity of match of the day yeah but um tweets like like this from Frankie Boyle's Twitter account which is now operated by his team rather than him himself it's maybe not true? the point here but the BBC's football coverage is amazing match of the day is an absolute Rolls Royce of a show hmm. uh, I, I guess it is it is it I think it is because it's oh I don't think it is no, I think Monday Night Football is Rolls Royce. Uh, Monday yeah. Night Football is like premium, high end. I see what the you mean. guests are very carefully chosen. You know, yeah. they should have a sheen about yeah. them. Yeah. Match, of the days, that, match of the day is a reliable Ford or something. Very mid market match of the day, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, it won't let you down. It's Space for solid. all the family. Yeah, exactly. It's cosy, it's homely. It's a Kia Sportage, which is a good car. My neighbour's got one, and I'm really jealous. <laughs> Good, solid car. But I think it needs to be more heritage. I think like a Ford Focus or yeah, something. Yeah, fine. Just, you know, you know what you're getting. Ford Focus, wow. That's heritage now, is it? Jesus. Time really does move on. As with all stories like this, Dave, I mean, it, it, there, was a, there was an emotional kind of moral aspect to it, which is what kicked it all off, of course. Mm. Then it became a kind of logistical, practical story about how things were going to happen and uh, what were going to take their place if it didn't and all that sort of stuff. And... and uh, there was a moment of this crisis when everyone suddenly had to kind of brush up on their knowledge of broadcast agreements and whether the world feed commentary could be drafted in, like the National Guard. <laughs> <laughs> that really tense moment. Oh, they're not actually allowed to use the world feed commentary. Ooh, what's going to happen? I know. I mean, it is amazing how it all spiraled. And obviously, there's like a big element Penny for of the story. Of the world feed. Yeah. It's, it's a media story reporting on the media and we're all getting interested in that stuff oh we can't have the world feed and the world feed commentators aren't happy what they're going to do they're going to have they can't not have commentary and there was there was like paparazzi outside the match today office trying to like get people to get snaps of poor <laughs> outside Steve producers. Wilson's house <laughs> I mean, on one hand, Charlie, it's 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 easy for me to bemoan how infantilised some of this coverage became. But on the other hand, I will have to admit that I quite enjoyed, given how victimless essentially most of this was, just how far it would go in terms of the meltdown. And then the moment where we realised there would be no commentary, not even Peter Drury was going to be allowed to have his voice on Match of the Day. That's when I thought, I thought actually, yeah, in for a penny, in for a pound situation this. I think it's going to be quite a spectacle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not like, it was very entertaining watching it all playing out. And then, and then with the match today itself, the, the, then that second wave of the people, the, the Lineker haters, say, you know, actually much preferred it without uh, 
What was the MP who said he'd go, he could go to his local after watching oh, it? After? Incredible. I could get yeah. there in time for, for yeah. last orders. It, it, it was one of those where like, he'd be like, yeah, better grading about match there now is I can uh, watch it and get to the pub, get to my local. It's like, uh, Absolutely just creaking with disingenuousness, <laughs> exactly. all of this. I mean, let's, can we just list his bullet points? Scott Benton, MP. <laughs> His little review of Match of the Day. Best Match of the Day episode in years. So that's a red flag straight away. Real cliffhanger. <laughs> Had all the goals in. <laughs> little ball symbol. What a plus point that is for a Match of the Day episode. Don't want to miss any of the goals. Don't want to miss any of those. No expert analysis in quote marks. Um, this was a huge preoccupation of the of the kind of Match of the Day, anti-Match of the Day bandwagon jumpers. Convenient bandwagon jumpers, Charlie, was that... This idea that the match of the day analysis is, is is so vapid, so pointless, and so lightweight that we don't need it, and uh, you know they're not telling you. They're all they're telling you is stuff you can see with your own eyes, which is, really infuriates me. That's the language of Brexit that you know we've heard enough from experts. <laughs> so it all comes together. You know we don't we don't need to hear you telling us about why the goals were scored. We can see it. You know you can stick your expected goals. Obviously not that this MP would have heard of that. Uh, up your ass, mm. but Dave. To a certain extent, I sympathise with that point of view if it was delivered with any genuine <laughs> sentiment behind goals. it. It's just that I mean, I don't watch Match of the Day for the analysis. In fact, I very rarely watch Match of the Day because I've probably watched the goals before, and either my team have lost and I don't want to watch it, or it's too late and I'm knackered. It's it, and I'm fine with that. But I'm so pleased it still exists. Yeah, but, but it's not for you, is it? It's for no. people that just want to watch the Premier League highlights on a Saturday night because they don't get it anywhere else. Two million people watch it every week. It's mm. the most watched football programme in the country by a country mile. But we, it's not for us. Absolutely valid point number one. The second point is um, it's it's a piece of television. It needs texture. It needs structure. Yeah. It needs format. Exactly. <laughs> that's why bother why with exists. anything? Yes, yes. Just I mean, boil I mean, everything the... down to its component but parts it, and it, shove it out there. Exactly. That's what everyone's going to be like. It's actually quite nice just watching the goals. It's like, that does exist. Just go on YouTube, search in any game. Man. You'll get YouTube. you'll get those few minutes like, of just, just why, the goals. Do, why don't you just fast forward? You know, just put, just make EastEnders five minutes. Just get to the end. <laughs> just put the bit on at the just end. Find where out what happens. Gets run over by a cab or something. Don't bother with any of the build up. Similarly dubious words from John Redwood. Great BBC match of the day. All action. <laughs> Good replay, so you could see what happened. Understand penalty calls. Pity they did not show more of the football and run each match a little bit longer. Too much chat in the previous programs. The previous, what, all 5,000 episodes, <laughs> presumably, he means. At what point did the talk become too much? A load of shit. I mean, it did, it did remind me a little bit of Match of the Day when I was growing up. I mean, it seems like another world, but they some of the, apart from like the two featured games or whatever it was, the rest of them were just... since that. Yeah, exactly. You just get the, basically get the goals. But obviously, yeah, with the, with those great voiceovers. But it was funny to see them rattle through the games. Yeah, it was it was undeniably, Dave, a curious spectacle to see the whole thing stripped back. The fact that it was simply called Premier League highlights, which was so surreal mm. um, to witness. But there was a lesser spotted aspect of this. One thing that did survive the match of the day wipeout. Listen carefully. Now on BBC One, we're sorry that we're unable to show our normal match of the day, including commentary tonight. But here now is the best action from today's Premier League matches. Ellis James is generic crowd sound guy. <laughs> they can't get rid of him. Still there. Glad to see Dave that he's still around. I mean, he, he goes under the radar so often that, if anything, it shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. Is he a BBC? Is he on staff or is he freelance? <laughs> don't we don't. Know. We'll, never, we'll never know. <laughs> we'll have to get to him. 
<laughs> the random guy from 50 years ago at a completely random match. <laughs> I was going to say that the, the, the moment that I really sort of had confirmation that this was a genuine sort of national story that's really broken through is when my mum got involved and text, <laughs> text me. That is such a threshold to me, isn't it? It really is, yeah. And she and she messaged me. Quite an interesting little insight, this, into how these stories come over sometimes. What do you think about all this with Gary Lineker and BBC slash ITV, etc.? She's got ITV embroiled up in it. <laughs> no I'm trying to drag them in. What does she know? Yeah. <laughs> she probably heard they were going to get given the rights on an emergency basis. Special dispensation. <laughs> She's still clinging on to the premiership era yeah <laughs> as so many of us are actually. let it go yeah let it go. Uh, on the subject of mums actually i got i got a message from my mum earlier we were arranging childcare and just sorting out the details and she said yeah yeah fine just just uh give me my marching orders <laughs> which i've obviously only heard in a football context of you're getting sent off mm. but it made me think yeah that obviously makes more s- the literal meaning of that is you know for soldiers being sent know what you're doing. from A to B, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. She didn't mean it like, yeah, just tell me when to go. No, no. She meant just give me my instructions. Oh, right. Which, which is weird that marching orders in football has become obviously just sent off. And I don't know if that was just originally a misunderstanding that someone made or that they thought that just the act of walking off the pitch is a kind of march, but, mm. which it may have been then. It certainly isn't now. What well, if she said, just, just let me know when you want me to be sent packing? <laughs> Did you keep one an early bath? <laughs> it, was, it really threw me. I was like, I'm not going to send you off. Yeah. But, uh, I'll, I'll give you your instructions, sure. Wow, that must have stopped you in your tracks. It really did. Um, the final thing on Match of the Day, and this felt inevitable as well. I was waiting for these numbers to be released, Dave. As one newspaper put it, whether people were rubbernecking at the smouldering ruins of the flagship football show or energised by its new format, an extra 500,000 viewers tuned in to watch, according to overnight figures. Taking glee in the fact that this, this emergency stripped-down match that they got 500,000 more people watching it and thinking that the reason was because Lineker wasn't on it and nor were any of the pundits <laughs> is the most pathetic piece of logic. And, so, and, and again, nobody believes it, but they want to say it. Yeah. Furious, I am. Uh, yeah, I mean, we know exactly. We know what's going on there. And I think I think it will be interesting to see what happens next week now that now that um, all has seemingly been resolved. Mm. It's FA Cup next week, isn't it? But So when will Lineker be on? Will he be on the first Man game? Man Burnley, I think, is his um, next job. But is he going to say so? Is he going to have a line? He'll say Will he play yeah, it like, straight? He'll sure like back after the break or something. Like there'll be something. There are, surely some wisecrack. There are two historically viable opportunities for this. It's either the opening, which I think he won't do because I think he's going to be above it, and then when he passes over to his to introduce his pundits, that I suspect will be sort of more second-hand way of doing it, sort of slight or, distance. I think that's what it depends who's on it really. Or maybe at the end. Mm, I was thinking the end, but then does that make it too about him if there's been a? Yeah, ignoring the it depends. Are we think are we think it might be a single. You say it might be a single game, like a, a live FA Cup broadcast. Yeah, because in that case, I think it might be too self indulgent. You know, if a team just got to the FA Cup semi to to close about yourself, five hundred thousand people sort of switching off after the first ninety seconds. Didn't do it. You didn't say it. Don't don't care anymore. Fine. Anyway, right. Let's get on to some standard adjudication panel matters and perhaps the final chapter to this particular saga. Um, Fred was listening to BBC Radio 5 Live on Saturday on Patrick Keelty's show and he had the band Deco on uh, to perform some football chants and um, they gave their rendition of uh, Sheffield Wednesday's Famo O chant that we've been enjoying so often on this podcast recently. But one thing to note is the delivery of the final refrain of the chant. 
to soundtrack their amazing season in League One. You'll probably hear this at the away end today at Fratton Park, performed by Deco. Here it is. Found me So it's come. What a what a journey this this chant has been on, Charlie. It started as a song, famously turned into a football chant, allowed to kind of melt into something completely different, then turned back into a song by actual musicians. But then a nice little tribute at the end to the football mm. chant kind of tone. We're gonna win the league, which is kind of halfway between the actual musical version and their kind of slightly flat delivery. So I think we found the ideal yeah. version. That- <laughs> That was slightly confusing, that one. I can't believe how much it's singing life of its own. Including, like, the da-da-da-da-da underneath it, like, uh, in- introducing, like, an arrangement to it. That's mm. a real challenge. Your challenge has been laid down to the Hillsborough faithful there. Can yeah. you coordinate a bit of a bit of that? Like a musical bridge as well, and like a nice build-up to the last bit would be good for a football chant. If anyone could try and... Um, maybe the England band can have a crack. Well, you know the bit <laughs> at the end when they started, when they just, when they killed the music and they were just clapping? This bit. <laughs> That could be like, it could almost be like the uh, Icelandic thunderclap midway through the chant. They really wanted to take it to the next level. I think the last thing this chant needed was added elements, actually. Now I think about it, they they had enough on their plate. But I'm I'm fascinated that this has had so much mileage and I'm pleased to see people embracing it. Next up, Beth Potter. Bear with her on this one. Series 16, episode 8 of the BBC's Great British Menu from 2021. I have a feeling you'll appreciate the presenter's way of describing Mark Isambard Brunel. Context, each dish in that year's competition had to be inspired by an invention or innovation. Tony's making a sauce to go with the Cornish duck in his dish, inspired by tunnelling supremo Sir Mark Isambard Brunel. So we've gone trim from the ducks. I'm increasingly of the mind, Dave, that this is how I just want everybody ever to be described, just in two words, in a slightly football way. Tunnelling Supremo. I don't think that denigrates his um, his legacy at all. No. Supremo's one of the best ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Supremo's amazing. Supremo's like three tiers higher than Ace. Ace is a dubious <laughs> thing. Supremo, beyond reproach. Yeah, that was his thing. Big old tunnel guy. So uh, there you are. Thanks, Beth Potter. On a similar theme, is it Tom O'Dwyer and many, many others were watching Antiques Roadshow on Sunday and uh, witnessed some admittedly banging old diving helmets. Well, should we just dive straight in? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) I mean, it's obvious these are really nice early diving helmets, but tell me, how did you get them? So these were left to me by my father. 
Um, he was a naval officer and a deep sea diver himself. And he died in 2004 and left them to me. And do you know much about them? A little bit about them. I know one's from America and one's British. Okay, well, as far as diving helmets go, these are the Rolls Royces of diving helmet. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do any more of this, Charlie. I think <laughs> we can't just chuckle over someone saying Rolls Royce of no, every week. When's it going to end? Well, it's funny as well, as a friend of mine sent this and there's laughter as he says it. I didn't quite realise it's his own laughter. I thought that it was going to... It, it, as if the guy delivering it, it knows it's quite funny, but it's, it's way funny that he delivers it with a completely straight face. There's no awareness there. But this example, it's a good one because the antiques roadshow setting, he's talking about, he's talking about quality, like yeah, manufacturing, yeah. like tradition. Mm. He's not making, it's not, it's not really an analogy in terms of how we'd normally No, that's right. Give and, it. and those are the words you want to hear or on the antiques roadshow when you've brought something in that you yeah. know, an ancestor has left you. You want to hear that they're the Rolls Royce of that corner of inventing. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how much you got for them, but uh, pleased to hear. Right, time for For My Sins Corner. You know how it works? Clip from popular culture. Someone, somewhere, is going to say For My Sins. It's your job to pinpoint exactly when it's going to happen. This one, this came from Stuart Smith, and it's from uh, a newcomer to this corner, Trevor Nelson's Rhythm Nation. Here we go. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> you a football fan? Uh, There's been a lot of heat. There's been so, a lot of heat going around the yeah, last couple of days. Yeah, now you see, so I am... Not a football fan, but I like football. And I've always thought, it's like the Beatles. You mm. can't just like the Beatles. You have to be like the biggest Beatles fan of mm. all time. You can't just go, the Beatles are okay. No, you can. I, I don't think so. I think you can. I don't think so. I think yeah. In the words of Scroobius Pip and Dan Lesac, just a band. He says, getting ready to get a load of hate for saying that. Well, um, but it's the same with football, that you can't just like football. You have to have an inside you know, knowledge. You have, have a, you have to have a team. Well, I have Leicester City. I grew up in okay, Leicester. Okay, well, there They're you go. Team. So, you, you know, because when you talk football to somebody, you say, who's your team? That's the first yeah. thing they say. Who's your sport? Well, I, I grew up, actually, partly I had two teams. Mm. I had Leicester City and Norwich City. Okay, that's, that doesn't work. Well, I did because I was a big fan of Jeremy Goss scoring that Van Basten-esque yeah, goal yeah. in you Europe. No, no, you're amazing. losing your credibility right God, now. Man, Efenokoku, Chris yeah, yeah, I get that, but just be one or the other. You can't be both. I think you can are in the same division. Hang on, you can have have two teams in the same division. They weren't in the same division at the time. Right. Leicester okay. City were a division okay. below. Come on, you okay. must have a second team. Really? Yeah, you um, have. I used to... I, okay, I used to like... For, for my sins, oh, I was like, oh. not in the forest. Yeah, because they weren't London clubs. Exactly, mm. and they were underdoggy sort of clubs. At yeah, well. we were both. Yeah. I'm sure they like you were just waiting. That it, it had to be the team there. Yeah. As soon as the team there, oh, we were coming in. It was poised. He, Played around with the syntax. An absolute Cuban missile crisis of a For My Sins <sighs> corner. Both of you on the edge of your seats waiting to pounce, to strike, but just couldn't quite find it. But um, that was, br- that was, oh, that was good. So many opportunities there, weren't there? Yeah. And, uh, and best thing of all, Charlie, you know, it was on the classic topic, you know, supporting a football team as well, which I think made it even more tense because mm. neither of you wanted to get that wrong in its, in its, yeah, on, it, on was... home turf. For my sins corner there. Brett, great stuff. Don't think we'll ever beat that. Right. This, this is superb. Now, we've seen British football figures go abroad to become unlikely cult heroes. We all fondly remember Darius Vassell's airport welcome by Ankara Gucci fans back in the day. Um, some might even recall Steve Keane going from Premier League laughingstock to Singapore Premier League champion in the space of about three years. Um, but nothing had quite prepared me for this. This is a... 
Bengaluru fans in the Indian Super League celebrating reaching the uh, reaching the final of the playoffs. <laughs> If you told Simon Grayson that he was going to have his name chanted by thousands of Bengaluru fans as he'd reached the uh, Indian Super League final by beating Mumbai City 9-8 on penalties in the semi-finals, Charlie, what do you think he would have said to you? Wow, yeah. God, that was like Ellen Road, sort of the, the, the turn of the decade when he was flavour of the month. Uh, incre- that was not who I was expecting, no. I must say. I'm really pleased for Simon Grayson. Yeah. We can add him to the confirmed lovely man list. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's nice. I wonder if he's ever had his name chanted, Charlie. I mean, not a spectacular player, uh, certainly a reliable one, a durable one. Do you think every, he's ever had his name chanted like that by that many people? No, not in that way. But at Leeds, in that period, when they like when they went to United, when was that, 2010? And mm. beat them at Old Trafford. He was, he was pretty popular then. I remember that being talked about as like, a, this is a really good up-and-coming manager. It, would have been, it would, probably would have been something like, Simon Grayson's yeah. Yeah. Blue and White Army or... What, yeah, nothing directly or... focused on him mm. as a person. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, he'd been and woven as a player, into He was more a kind of unsung hero, wasn't he? He was part of that Leicester team, that mm. great Leicester team. Next up, more Vout Veghorst content for you. This is uh, Manchester United versus Real Betis the other night on BT Sport. Ian Dark. I've never heard this word used for this. To be a forward player for Manchester United, you would think you have to score goals and get assists. Did get two at the World Cup, didn't he? Natty free kick against Argentina. <laughs> natty, <laughs> that's so a natty free kick. It's just, I mean, if if anything in football could be called natty, I probably would say that free kick is the prime candidate. It was natty. But yeah, I think it's I think it's quite good. But if you told me someone used that, I'd have thought that'd be like a young that'd be like young slang. Like, oh, that free kick was natty. <laughs> like, I would not be expecting Ian Dark to use it in that way. And I wonder if he's heard it from uh, fr- from there or it's Does just it, an old... What does it mean, sort of fancy? It means it's essentially it, its closest equivalent, its closest cousin is snazzy. Right, yeah. A natty little cardigan. But, mm. but what's next, Dave? Uh, Could you have a snazzy kind of corner routine? Charlie, you didn't realise yeah. this, did you? Bournemouth's not- snazzy, snazzy kick-off routine. Yeah. Snazzy makes more sense, but natty. But if you talk about a natty cardigan, to me that doesn't mean snazzy. That more means sort of a bit old and you know not in great condition. Oh, no, so you mean tatty you know, I, is what you're thinking? You're of. thinking of tatty. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's tatty. like you know like a like a someone who might have been called a dandy back in the old days, sort of ostentatiously dressing. I can tell you that it's uh, as an adjective, it means of a person or an article of clothing that is smart and fashionable, e.g. a so natty blue blazer. the opposite of tatty, pretty much. Yeah, mm. uh, but it can also mean well-designed and clever. A palm-top computer with many natty features. Palm-top computer, that's just how, how, how old this phrase is, just to be clear. <laughs> but, um, well, well, well-designed and clever, that's spot on. Yeah, fair play, dark. fair play. Um, no, I've done a 180 on this, so I'm actually all right with it. Natty it is. Snatty, I won't have. Natty, I'm fine with. Okay. Now, the sensational scenes continue. This came from Jake Jackman, listening to Radio X in the office, and this guy texted in to discuss his musical tastes. And now, very excited to say, we can add another profession to people that listen to this show. I've had it all over the years. Undertakers. All sorts of stuff. 
people that stuff animals, what are they called? Taxidermy, is that that one? And now I can add Premier League referee David Coote is listening. He is setting off for his game this weekend in London. He says it's not cricket weather, is it? Keep the tunes coming, please, mate. Bittersweet Symphony is from my number one album. David Coote, I met him a few weeks ago at a charity function. Lovely guy. He's doing the Fulham versus Arsenal game this weekend. So when you sing that song, who's the mm-mm in the black? Well, you'll know it's David Coote. It's nice to put a name to the face, isn't it? Have a good game, David. 20 minutes to go until midday. I am going to play you Razorlight now. Two questions for you, Charlie, straight off the bat. Um, number one, why is it fu- most funny that it was David uh, Coote out of all the Premier League referees? And number two, uh, <laughs> how inevitable was it that it was going to be the Verve, that it was his favourite band of all time? It's so... I don't know. And why is it... Like, it's just so fun. Like, any like Dave, anything David Coote in that context chosen would be really funny. <laughs> just humanising any ref in that kind of way is inherently amusing. But why is he saying, David Coote, Premier League referee here, just thought I'd... Yeah. ...text in just to let <laughs> well, you know. Well, he met him the other day. He met Toby Tarrant right. the other day at a function, so maybe that there was that okay, sort of no, acknowledgement there. Maybe fine. he might have texted him directly. You don't we'll know. Let, we'll let David off then. Yeah, he wasn't just offering that information up randomly. What PGMOL have to say about this, Charlie? I don't think referees should be texting their whereabouts before a game. Mm. And revealing, revealing their musical choices, mm. essential biases there. Mm. You know, are, any, are any teams, you know, big Verve, big Verve fans down at Fulham? I... Won't reveal who. Once met David. Or, or which, <laughs> or which, uh, which radio station. But it probably wouldn't take a super sleuth to work out which one. Mm. There is a Premier League assistant referee who used to text in a particular radio show under an alias because he didn't want to reveal who he was, but he enjoyed Ooh. the show so much that he liked to contribute. How do you know it was it was this assistant ref if he texted what? under the alias? No, because I I I know. I'm in on it, but I want to protect his uh, anonymity. Was it Mike Malarkey? It wasn't Mike Malarkey. But I mean, I suppose a lot of them are in the car a lot of the time, aren't they? So probably big radio listeners. Yeah, that's true. No, it just felt weird to hear a referee off to the game, like someone texting into, I don't know, Pete Tong and saying, yeah, off to prison tonight. (laughs) 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 Just don't want to know about them going to a game. Shouldn't shouldn't be texting into radio stations as far as I'm concerned. It's odd, odd behaviour. Don't do it. They should be allowed to be seen to be enjoying yourselves in any way. They should be engaging with us, robots. Now, on to more footballing matters actually now, Charlie. Sean's got in touch and says, statistically, David De Gea is not a great shot stopper. He says he's minus 5.4 on expected goals prevented, and yet he consistently pulls out these unbelievable saves. Is it fair to say that David De Gea isn't a great shot stopper, but a stopper of great shots? <laughs> this is, I mean, he statistically backed this up. This could work. I think, I, think, I think the concept could work for goalkeepers. That's a really interesting idea. But isn't he, isn't he sort of famous for like, kind of just stop the, he often like sort of quite efficiently saves things with his feet. Mm. That sort of thing. Uh, whereas sort of long ranges, I don't know, this is probably completely wrong, but I sort of had a perception in my mind that he wasn't very good at saving like long range shots. You're right, actually. Most of the, when you think of his spectacular saves, they do tend to be instinctive cat-like reflexes. Yeah. From close in, like, I don't, I don't associate him necessarily with 
And that would make sense. Yeah, that would it? explain the disparity in his expected goals prevented figures. So uh, I, I'm I'm open to this as a concept, but I don't think we could use it for other positions. I don't think you could have like a not a great passer, but a but a deliverer no, of great passes. I, I think know. you could. That 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 ties into what we're talking about with Hollywood passes. Oh yeah, maybe. Okay. You know, he's not so efficient, but he will occasionally pull out some in- incredible some incredible crossfield pass. So not but not Jorginho, but Gerard. Basically, it's not. Yeah, volume, exactly. It's, it's yeah, in fact, formal that that, or maybe, it's, and that especially at like Sunday league thing, I think it's probably more of a thing. Someone who's always trying stuff mm. often doesn't work and is quite annoying, but will occasionally pull out a great pass. Dave, could you have um, could you have someone a defender who isn't a great tackler, but the occasional nature of great tackles <laughs> pull her off of a great tackle? I suppose there are like heroic last ditch stuff. Yeah, that's the sort of thing clumsy. where it doesn't fit neatly into that phrase, but there is that old thing of like, well, he's only making last ditch tackles because yeah. he's always out of position mm. sort of thing. Exactly, you shouldn't have to, but I think there would be those kind of defenders and they would be criticised by your Rios and whoever because, as Dave says, you shouldn't have to make them. On a related note, I found myself watching Norwich against Sunderland uh, on Sunday and Sunderland's Danny Bart um, was booked for a, a sliding sort of quite last ditch sort of tackle and it was one of those great moments where he, he got up and you saw he was furious with the ref for booking him and you could see exactly what he was saying he as he was running away from the referee he was sort of held his arms up to the sky and went it's, it's a fucking great tackle <laughs> which I liked appealing to the football gods there <laughs> yeah. that's good that's good yeah sort of appealing on a technical level that was a great tackle that should be actually appealing to the referee should be based more on I did something brilliant rather than protesting innocence that's more yeah. constructive way of doing mm. things mm. I think that's actually higher success you, rate in theory you should be praising me if yeah. anything rather than penalising me fuck off that was a great tackle yeah. and it was to be fair it was he got the ball I like it I like it this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Right then, welcome back to the adjudication panel. Let's kick the second half off with this. This came from Richard Krortz, who was listening to uh, Arsenal against Fulham on Sunday on Five Live and noted a superbly placed angry Fulham fan, just as Arsenal go 2-0 up. That's when Arsenal can be dangerous. Pakayo Saka dribbling inside his own half in the right-back position, holds off Solomon, Saliba lets it go through his legs, then he's hurried into a clearance with his left foot. Not just a clearance, it's a really good pass. Granit Xhaka is in acres of space here, and he's striding forward into the Fulham half. Trossard starts to make a run. Xhaka passes it into his feet, awkward to control. Trick from Trossard, stands the cross up. Underneath it, Martinelli heads it home, and Arsenal have a two-goal cushion here at Craven Cottage. Exactly what they wanted this afternoon, because they were pushed really close against Bournemouth last weekend. Any lingering hope, Dave, that the commentator might be able to sort of fill over the top of him? <laughs> there was a natural pause, and in any case, with fucking shit. <laughs> Those tight old grounds where you're right next to the fans. Yeah, it must it yeah. must make your heart sink as a commentator, Charlie, knowing that you're going to have that potential for ninety minutes. When he comes back in for more, yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> I mean, I thought it might be in every fucking time that we discussed last week, and I was just thinking that goal 
could it be like don't let the cro- you know the guys just stood up across yeah. or we don't challenge for headers yeah either of those things would irritate fans mm. I found myself doing it an every fucking time uh, at Loftus Road, actually, on, on Saturday. And I don't think it was one that we mentioned last week. It was QPR had a lot of throw-ins and Chris Martin, big Chris Martin, kept with every fucking time he won the flick on. <laughs> every time. Oh, so you're every fucking timing someone doing something good against your team? Yeah. Oh, we right. were failing to deal with yeah, it. You're le- yeah, because you're letting yeah. him win it. You oh, know okay. it's going to him. Mm. Yeah. yeah. EFT. Just about okay. I'm happy with that. Right, see what you think about this one, Dave. Elliot Binks writes in, says, Small fry after what's happened this weekend, but I heard a talk sport advert describing Henry Winter as the voice of football. Surely only a commentator can be the voice of football. And it also made me wonder, who is the voice of football these days? Probably too saturated now. I think that the, the final point he makes there is, is a very valid one. It's pretty hard to be the voice of football now, and I, I'm struggling to think who it would be. Obviously, you would have had Motti in years gone by, allowing for your Barry Davis fans as well. But um, it is so spread out. You guy Mo- Coleman would have definitely been the voice yeah. of football because he did commentary yeah. and presenting, which I think, and he did it for a long time. Motson presumably took his crown, Charlie. Mm. I don't know. Who, I don't think there's been one since. And, he, and Motson think, wouldn't have been the voice of football for so long. So I don't know who would have even filled the void. Like Guy, Guy Mowbray would have a claim to the throne, I think. There are two competing things. On one hand, it should be BBC or certainly terrestrial because... It has to be a wider audience, doesn't it? Exactly. But I think Tyler. there might have been a time where Tyler could have had a claim to it, despite not being BBC, when the Premier League was... He's the voice I mean, of the Premier League. He's st- yeah, he's the voice of the Premier That's League. That's probably yeah, enough. There would have been certainly there would have been a time I think where he was so ubiquitous and you know Aguero and all of that. Uh, he's sort of he's stuff. commentated on almost every Premier League weekend ever, mm. so mm. he is undoubtedly the voice of the Premier League. But and has recent that... sound bites as well, the Aguero thing plus others. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it has I to mean, be someone from our intro, presumably Charlie as well. <laughs> Otherwise, we've I mean, really would, done a poor job. Would some say Lineker? I know he's, he's obviously not a commentator, but. He, he to face, so many. Yeah, maybe he's more the face he of football. Is, yeah. Yeah. He's the face of football. Tyler's just about the voice of football. I mean, you could you could throw Sterling into the Knicks, Dave, but it, it's probably not a wide enough audience. Not enough people actually watch mm. Soccer Saturday, really. Not anymore. And I, I don't think he wants to be the voice of football either. Because it's, it's no. more of an alternative job as well. He's not, he's not he front is, and centre. Is he the, the friendly face of Saturday afternoons? <laughs> <laughs> he's the, the accompaniment. Mm. He's your companion for Saturday afternoon. I think it helps though as well if you, like Stelling, you recognise him for how he looks as much as for his voice. Mm. Whereas I think what's good, the voice of football in a way, you know, Motson, people like that, you knew that they had such a distinctive voice, Tyler as well. Yeah, it has to be a commentator. It has to be. I think think ideally, yeah. I don't think there's going to be another voice of football after Tyler. I don't think there will be. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, some would say Drury, but... For, for for a select audience, yeah, just for the other six not, billion people on the planet, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's not in this country point, anyway. Mm. Wonder what, wonder who, wonder who the fans across the world think is the voice of football. Probably well, until Drury. Drury came along, a lot would have said probably Arlo White, mm. who you know, in, in this <laughs> you country, have to say it like is, that, don't you? You have to say his name <laughs> like that. You know, in this country, no one's relatively few people have heard of him. Yeah. Even done a bit of a Simon Grayson, hasn't he, Arlo White? Um, <laughs> now. They chant his name and then... uh... Now, it's time for Keys and Grey Corner. Ford Super Sunday. Never let it be said that Richard Keys will let things go. Here's Keezy on Valt Veghorst. 
<laughs> I said last week's the worst I've seen in a United jersey. And bear in mind, I can take you all the way back mm-hmm. to 1968. <laughs> I've watched a lot of players wear that United jersey, and, and I find his inclusion in the side baffling. Just a poor man. And listen, listen, he might turn up today and get a hat trick against Southampton. That football is like that, right? But it would be unlikely. Poor man's Peter Crouch. Peter, Peter won't be happy with that. <laughs> Can't hear. I mean, Charlie, I sympathise with anybody's plight when they have a really good line that they want to say and somebody interrupts them and then they have to wait to say it. I mean, it happens to the best of us. But, mm. um, but yeah, I think Andy Gray should know better by now, shouldn't he? We've all been there, yeah. Keezy, um, Keezy doesn't have anyone to edit it back in, though, for him on live TV. So. <laughs> no dark forces oh, for Keezy this time. <laughs> oh, that, I mean, we're all guilty of that in, in normal life as well. You know, when you're having a conversation with someone, you're basically just waiting until they stop talking so you can say the thing that you want to say. Yep. Keezy, all over. And he does it there par excellence. I mean, it's effective in one way, David. It extends the um, the suspense to see who he's going to pin Falcon-Cost mm. on as a yeah. poor man's. Uh, I wasn't man's. expecting Crouch here, I have yeah. to say, at the time. I thought it'd be a United, because he keeps going on about how he's seen all the United players. I thought he was going to be comparing it to a maligned United player of the past. Mm. Like, obviously, he's not a striker, but someone like William Prunier or some, <laughs> you know, a, a, a gag character from... No, it has to be uh, fo- footballistically similar, doesn't it? And but but do, have they had... I'm trying to think if United had a kind of big... No. Sort of burly striker who, who wasn't very good. He's a yeah, poor man's been. Ashley Barnes, Andy. Poor old Crouchy. Anyway, the um, the content gods were smiling on us from, from over in Doha this time because Keezy's blog was published before we recorded the podcast. So I can tell you that um, he's uh, he's written up a 900 word or so summary of the uh, goings on at the weekend from a broadcaster's perspective. It is actually quite a reasonable take, actually, m- most of the time, Charlie. So I'm happy to ignore that part of it. And just talk about <laughs> how he's topped and tailed it in the most perfect way. Here's the first bit of the entire blog. OK, a few thoughts on Lineker Gate, which might stem the flow of people asking what I've made of the mess at the BBC these last few days. <laughs> Me, I'm in demand. Weren't we talking about this the other day of people... Yeah, it's never a good look or bodes well when you claim to have been asked something by loads of people. I'm always like, no, you haven't. I'm, ar- you haven't I'm, I'm asked, asked many people. times how I... No, yeah. Shut up, shut up. Just no, to address this, you know, a lot of people have been asking me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then who, who, who would be asking for Giesi? I mean, like, obviously he, he is, you know, an interesting... Stem the flow. <laughs> I need to get this under control. Inundated like, he was. All yeah, weekend. The people, like, the people who interact with him on Twitter are 99% of people responding to what he says. <laughs> who would be proactively being like, Richard, just wondered what, what you thought about the, the Lineker situation. It's incredible. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, communication to him is, is obviously a completely um, different concept to what it is for us. This is a, this is a man, Dave, who um, doesn't reply to people on Twitter. He reads what they had to say and then ats them back in a separate tweet. And I still don't know why he does it. <laughs> I, I think it's so people can't see the conversation, so they don't know what they said to him in the first place, just in case he got owned or something. But um, it's the most clunky way of Twitter I've ever seen. But there's, there's thought behind it. I just can't figure out what it might be. Anyway... Nearly 800 words later, this is how he signed (laughs) off. They don't care who anchors what on TV. If Match of the Day was going to die, it would have been when the incomparable David Coleman left, or Jimmy Hill, (laughs) or Lynham. Faces come and go, as I know only too well. (laughs) (laughs) Good blog, Keezy, but it could just do with a bit of you at the start and a bit of you at the end, if possible. (laughs) Maybe he's got an editor, maybe he has. (laughs) This is not not a million miles away. It's in the same 
same sort of spirit, although obviously this is much more Keynesian. Um, I saw the Sunday Times Tim Shipman tweeting about the Lineker mm. affair, and he said he, he put like seven bullet points in much of the stuff we sort of talked about earlier on, mm. and one of them was Mr. Blobby could host Match of the Day and people would still tune in. <laughs> This is it. Every yeah. reference is from 25 years ago. <laughs> well, he has had a bit of a resurgence lately, old Blobby. Um, but um, I mean, he's probably right. They've probably had another 500,000 on, <laughs> I reckon, if Blobby hosts it. Okay. Well, um, Mr. Let's Blobby's chat. MHD coming on Thursday. Um, look forward to that. Uh, thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Make more sense of Keir Starmer. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, David Walker. Thank you. Thanks, for everyone, for listening. See you Thursday. Bye. The Athletic.